One of our favorite things to do here at Beyond Healing Center is therapeutic retreats. Our retreats are three to five days with holistic wraparound services, all designed to meet your personal needs and goals. You can choose from a menu of services, including EMDR, trauma-informed massage, nervous system-informed yoga and movement, and even equine therapy. From the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, we've crafted this experience to be one of safety and healing. Whether you're interested in a retreat for yourself, or if you're a therapist interested for a client, we would love to talk to you about how our retreats can be a part of a healing journey. Contact our retreat coordinator at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com or visit our website at beyondhealingcenter.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. Bridger and I are here in studio today, excited to talk to you about co-regulation. Yeah, the final letter in our guide to trauma-informed care. Yes, R-U-A-C. Yes. We've made it to the C. That's right. We're going to do a brief uh, synopsis of what recognize, understand, and attune are, and how that leads into then the culmination Mm. of co-regulation. Yeah. And really some practical ways of engaging in that and what it might feel like if it's hard to find and how uh, this can look in day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yeah. is a really exciting topic. I feel like co-regulation is the goal to like everything yeah. we talk about. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the developers of the theory of polyvagal theory talks about co-regulation as a biological necessity. Necessity. Yeah, it is. And, and the more we get to learn... We all have experienced it and engage in it in different degrees, but more we get to learn what is really happening in that, yeah, the more we can try to create it and actually seek it out um, with other people. Yeah, to be intentional mm-hmm. with it and not just happen upon it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One of the ways, um, co-regulation is really hard to find for some, mm-hmm. and it's such a rarity in, in life and one of the ways that we partner with people in helping to you know, introduce them softly, hopefully into co-regulation is through our retreats. Um, we do therapeutic retreats from three to five days. And basically all that is, is, uh, just one gigantic invitation to Mm -hmm. co-regulate and really to RUAC as a whole to help you learn how to recognize, how to understand and attune to self and other, and then to know what co-regulation feels like so that you can go back out into the world a changed human that now can find or seek uh, those types of spaces Mm -hmm. and relationships for yourself. And knowing that every person that's a part of those retreats is trained in this way to offer services from the person who first answers your email to the one who schedules the retreat to the person who brings your food in for you to the therapist, all of the services are really focused in on intentional R U A C steps for our clients. Yes. Um, and this is an experience that's just wrapped in care and co-regulation. We have tons of adjunctive services that are there. So equine assisted psychotherapy, uh, yoga, massage therapy, art therapy, adventure therapy, so many things in addition to having a primary psychotherapist um, that may, EMDR could be a part of that as well as other approaches. So it's just a three to five day fully immersive experience into what is it like to experience healing and connection. Mm. And as you said, come out a changed human. Yes. Yeah. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you or you're thinking of a person in your life that you're like, man, they really deserve that type of experience. Yeah. um, Have them reach out to us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. And one of our, you know, team members will contact you and schedule an initial consultation call where you can ask all of your questions, get all of the information. You can also find some of that initial information on our website Mm -hmm. at beyondhealingcenter.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the retreats that we, that we offer and we'd love for you to um, check them out. 
uh, our retreat coordinator, Brooklyn, um, will be the one responding to you. And she is, if anything, an embodiment of our UAC just so naturally. And so that's really beautiful. So one of the first questions I want to ask getting us back into the content, um, which you and I have had this conversation probably 35 times. So we're going to kind of recreate (laughs) for the sake of the the listeners. But um, I do think it's important to co-regulate sounds very similar to that very popular term of self-regulate. And that is it. Yeah. You're wanting to start in a provocative way. Yes, I do. That's the most fun way to start anything really. (laughs) But that's a really common popular term in therapy in school settings, um, the goal being like, let's get kids the skills and the ability to self-regulate. Mm. And then let's find out, you know, how do we help humans and, and adults be able to self-regulate? Yeah. And that's like the goal, the highlight. Yeah. Where, why are we coming into this of, no, it's not self-regulate, it's co-regulate. I think for me, the answer starts with the cost of self-regulation. Hmm. When we are in an environment where self-regulation is an expectation. There are so many implications that kind of go under the radar for what that type of um, expectation really means. Um, Self-regulation in and of itself, I think comes from a desire that you would be autonomy, that you would be autonomous and have agency in being able to make it through your day uh, and experience Um, you know, in any uh, kind of moment of dysregulation, you would be able to bring yourself back into regulation so Mm -hmm. that you could continue to do whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I think at its face, that's great. Like, sure. And especially in a school setting or something like that, of course, you're going to want your child to be able to have the the skills intrapersonally within themselves Mm -hmm. to be able to navigate through emotionally difficult situations, intellectually difficult situations where we're learning. And you're wanting to, you know, promote this type of self-regulation so that they can continue to engage in the content and learn Mm -hmm. and master these skills for the work, for the, like their daily life, the workplace, et cetera. But if you look at some of the cost Mm -hmm. of self-regulation, it is a, at times, um, and sometimes explicitly, um, that you must be able to do this yourself, that you can't necessarily lean on other people to make it happen. You have to learn to self-regulate, be able to calm yourself back down, be able to get yourself back, you know, focused on the material or something like that. And that to me undermines the, the very experience of dysregulation, like what brought you to that place. Um, and then yet also expecting you to be able to snap out of it or to get yourself back under control. And it undermines our nature as a mammal. Yes. Right? Like Fundamentally. Yes. That's saying all of your instincts to seek that regulation and that connection, that soothing from another mammalian being. Yeah. Nope. Put that away and you should go take care of it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I want to, sometimes we just speak in a way that's like um, self-regulation is a myth. And we just say that. Mm-hmm. And I love being that provocative because I actually, I do believe that, <laughs> but it comes with a lot of caveats in that to self-regulate to me is going just as you said, Jen, against our biology. Mm-hmm. But when you reframe it from the sense of internalized co-regulation that you're evoking your body's felt experience in the past of what it feels like to regulate with another and have then resources that you didn't have in yourself to bring yeah. you back to regulation that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I would rather say, let's, in, let's, you know, kind of remember our internalized co-regulation rather than self-regulate. Yeah. Um, to me, it has the connotation and this is just totally my own kind of subjectivity coming through, but self-regulation has the connotation of, um, isolation mm-hmm. that you must do it by yourself, um, or know in yourself what you need to do. which if you've been paying attention to the podcast at all, you know that once dysregulation goes up, our executive functioning goes down and thus our utilization of quote unquote adaptive skills becomes more and more difficult. Mm -hmm. So to say to an activated person that they need to self-regulate is biologically disrespectful Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's meeting them at a place where they're without the resources to, uh, 
carry on in a in a regulated place which is the very reason that they would quote unquote need self-regulation yeah and if that individual receiving the message to go self-regulate doesn't have the structures built within them to from co-regulation to be able to draw from and how can I start to soothe my own system and offer myself uh, validation and comfort in this if they don't have that ability what will happen is it will require strategies because it's not organically natural for them to be able to do that completely independently yeah so it will require some form of strategy to self-regulate which is kind Mm -hmm. of getting back into what you're saying the cost of it yeah what will I have to give up or latch on to yeah. that's maybe not another human because I'm supposed to do this on my own, yeah. but it's something that's going to aid me in doing this. And that's where we start to see people leaning towards certain behaviors or substances. Yeah. Or- and I love pointing like exactly to what you're saying of the like conditionable nature of the human organism. Yeah. If we learn self-regulation early on, that means we're drawing on our own internal reg- like uh, strategies, coping skills, um, mechanisms of regulation and choosing not to ask or to, to invite connection from another. Mm -hmm. And if you do that in a conditioned fashion, like over and over and over again, you're just, you're, uh, de-incentivizing the utilization of the interpersonal connections Mm -hmm. and, uh, re, um, emphasizing the importance and the connection to stability of your own regulatory mm-hmm. skills and abilities. And so if the equation is that I have a need and I must meet it myself and that to express that or to make that known to another equals shame or yeah. some type of negative judgment, then I'm going to turn to substances or yeah. turn to extreme behaviors or turn to silent cutting or eating disorder, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I just think so much in our culture how, oh my gosh, how much we emphasize individualization and independence Mm. um, to the degree of, I think of so many sayings of like, you can't, you can't, you know, know how to let someone else love you until you can love yourself or you have to like be able to work on your own self-esteem before you can do anything else and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps yes you need to be a strong individual before you ever try to go into a relationship Mm -hmm. there's still a part of me that's like y'all that's really true because that's so deeply ingrained in my being right (laughs) Right? like strong independent woman yeah you don't need anybody (laughs) oh that's like my roots so that idea also but saying like that is a cultural message Mm that we get sent so often of like, you should go and find your own path, do your own thing Mm -hmm. and not have, you can't trust other humans all the time to be there or that's a lot to expect or, and I think so much of our culture is set up on that. School systems are set up in that way. Like so many things emphasizing that, that this messaging could feel, you know, against a lot of those things. And like, how do Mm. we begin to set that up? And when you are in that activated state, how do you go find someone to co-regulate? What then? Right. What if What if there's not someone around you that is safe enough or willing to be in that role with you? Yeah. And that, like the environmental component of um, co-regulation and, and co-dysregulation and um, self-regulation, all of that, you know, we, we live in communities and networks that mirror our internal world in many ways. Like that's the reciprocal kind of relationship that we have in how we learn to cope with things. And likely if your strategy is to self-regulate, likely your environment has perpetuated that right. and promoted or incentivized right. that. And so to then try to go back into that community and ask for co-regulation, you're probably going to get a lot of funny looks and a lot of potentially shame-filled or yeah. guilt-filled um, r- remarks or, or responses. And that then re-incentivizes or reconditions the self-regulation strategies of, oh, well, if I have a need, others will not look to me in the same way that yeah. I need them to, or others will think down of me or less of me. And so I just need to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And be able to then get back to work or get back to whatever I was doing. So often what I hear from clients and that is, well, I mean, I have really good people like that in my life that I could do that with, but they have their own lives. They've got families of yeah, their own. I don't own, want to bother them. I could maybe call them. occasionally and that same, that thought pattern further perpetuating that like, it's 
that idea of I could get a little bit of that, but why, why even do it a few times if it can't be there for me all the time? And so much of that just shines in on how their systems were already shaped into believing that this type of need for connection to be able to feel soothed mm-hmm. is too much. It's a burden. Um, yeah. You should be able to figure it out on your own. Right. So if we kind of ground this discussion of the problem with self-regulation in the train brain, as we've been talking mm-hmm. about it um, on the podcast so far, um, really when you're in a space of dysregulation, we talk about that you know, as a disintegrated mind, like the, our reptilian and mammalian and rational brain are not working in the ways that uh, produce the type of regulated, uh, socially connected, um, intra-psychic world that we're, we're needing to be able to have this felt sense of safety and connection. And so in that uh, brain then, as it becomes more and more disintegrated, that's why self-regulation becomes more and more difficult mm-hmm. because we're not, again, back to a comment I made earlier, like we're, we're not able to use the higher order cognitive functions that we're so uh, accustomed to, or at least um, sort of expected to be able to use in our culture. And so from there, what are you supposed to do? If you've got, you know, Dan Siegel talks about the flipped lid. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a Um, and that referring to the hand model of the brain, which we've talked about before, but, um, the flipped lid is like your neocortex, the executive center of your brain becoming disintegrated in a way that you can't use the resources of, um, social connection or of, um, kind of that ventral balanced place. You're actually reacting from some of the more, um, uh, reactive parts of the brain that are just based on finding homeostatic balance and and those types of things. So what are you supposed to do if you don't have an integrated brain? How do you self-regulate? You're actually asking me that? Well, I I think the (laughs) answer is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a real question. Right. You, you You learn to rely on something else external. To help you do that, that still keeps you alone, not rely on another human, Mm -hmm. but you learn to rely on some other um, external resource to offer that same soothing. In in kids, um, we see that a lot with strong attachments, and this isn't a negative thing by any means, but strong attachments to stuffed animals and blankets, and they offer that reliable, consistent, unwavering, thumb sucking, another great one, soothing feeling to their Mm -hmm. system. In adults, we might turn that into like work or um, drinking or sex or yeah, all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Scrolling Mm -hmm. on your phone, like whatever it is that brings my system a sense of regulation. And none of those have to be negative things. But what we what we want to recognize here is it's a temporary fix. So the need will continue to exist. It may temporarily soothe and kind of tie you over in the moment. But the need for like that connection and that validation, all of those pieces, the RUAC, that Mm -hmm. need will continue to exist. And so it perpetuates the need for additional um, environmental things to help soothe or to self-regulate unless we then get into the presence of another human that can connect with us and feel that regulation. And this just for the listeners, like this is one of the hardest things to do um, in the healing journey is to actually co-regulate because it's often relationships that have been the primary threat in and throughout our life. And so I have a lot of clients that will, that as we're working on this, they'll get to RUA and instead of C, they'll do S Hmm. self-regulate. Well, yeah, I love being able to recognize when I'm dysregulated. I love like connecting that to the past, showing my understanding. And I love self-attunement because then I can just get myself back in line, back under control to continue to play the objective roles that I need to play. Mm-hmm. And like, that's pointing out like, hey, you're doing RUAS instead of RUAC. Yeah. The co-regulation. Let's talk about why the relationships in your life don't feel um, acceptable or invitational or even appropriate to move into a co-regulation place. Mm-hmm. And not at all shaming in a way that's saying like, no, you need to just do it. But potentially that's your body telling you something about the relationships in your life Mm -hmm. that they don't feel safe enough to engage in co-regulation. And so don't go against that, but honor that and start to be curious about, do I need to set subjective limits or boundaries in my life with these relationships and actually potentially try to find new relationships that are honoring to my subjectivity, to my personhood, and that can actually be co-regulative instead of 
perpetuating self-regulation. Yeah. And what would it be like to, in those current relationships, to begin to express your desires for what that could look like? It may not be that the relationships themselves aren't capable of it, but that that would be a new thing that we've never actually really talked about or engaged in. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. So what would it be like to start to maybe offer that to them in their distress Mm. and setting that or, um, yeah, communicating I'm having a really hard day and I would really enjoy just to like sit with you and talk for a little bit and connect. Mm -hmm. Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. Like inviting them into that type of relationship and interaction. If it feels like that's something they can't tolerate, then we start to consider maybe that relationship serves a certain purpose in your life, but looking for added relationships. I think when we're looking at what co-regulation has to offer, it is going to be that reparative healing experience Mm -hmm. where self-regulation or regulation from an external factor of some sort is going to more so be the bandage, but the wound stays. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to say, to seek out, maybe we just, you know, temporarily have a fix, but to seek out something deeper that says whatever it is that is activated in me and maybe the original hurt could be Mm -hmm. long ago it is through co-regulation where we see the healing of that mm. start to happen in mm. the repair. Yeah. So I'm wondering, um, for me, I, I like grounding this and talking about it as maybe parent to child, but then also moving into adult to adult or just yeah. peer to peer. Cause I think there's some differences there and the type of relationship you're in, whether it is that parent to child or friend to friend or, um, partner to partner, like all of those mm-hmm. things, add new kind of layers of complexity yeah. to it. So do we want to talk about what it actually looks like? Yes. Like kind of describe that. Yes. So Dan Siegel um, talks about um, what it's like for a parent to engage in a relationship with their child in a way that has some of these elements of safe, seen, soothed, and secure, which are mm-hmm. uh, concepts we've talked about already. When you notice that your child's in a dysregulated place, um, that in and of itself is a learning journey to learn how to recognize what a um, dysregulation or dysregulated moment looks like, yeah. but then learning how to even respond to that, how to reposture yourself in a way that's invitational to connect instead of redirect sympathetic energy and continue to perpetuate this like activation mm-hmm. pattern. Um, so in that, um, I'm wondering like if you have any stories so, so many, because I do as well, but okay. I just want to know. The parent to child, I could just talk all day about those kinds of <laughs> yeah. things. But, yeah. um, okay, so just a story to demonstrate what co, like mm-hmm. RUAC could look like getting yeah. to that place of co-regulation. Because I, I mean, think it's even like recognizing like the first three letters are themselves challenging at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you yourself are activated mm-hmm. and having to move in the really practical um, kind of dance of finding regulation amidst dysregulation. Because I think from a textbook standpoint, this comes across very like linearly. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, you're just supposed to recognize where that's at, understand it, attune to it, and then co-regulate. And then there yeah. you go. But that's not necessarily and really ever how it happens. Mm-mm. So I'll very vulnerably offer an example from parenting my first child that, <laughs> that maybe would demonstrate how even with good intentions we could further emphasize and perpetuate the message of self-regulation yeah and then you know an example more recently of actually just two nights ago with my son and what it can look like to recognize it differently yeah i would love that okay so this will shine a light on a lot of light on how i was parented and what you know self-regulation was of course ideal um (laughs) So, and, and, and with great intentions, but in the same thing, going into parent, my oldest daughter of thinking when she was young, if she would get dysregulated or she would start being fussy or whining a lot, you know, as a little girl was like, man, girls whine all the time. Just being really whiny in that and not recognizing, missing the R of like, okay, this is a sign of activation. Instead, trying to read environmental cues, like, why is she being so whiny? trying to offer like 
why don't you do this? Why don't you go do this? Here's all these fixes. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go find something to color? Or why don't you go get a craft or an activity? Yeah. Kind of keep yourself busy. Yes. Yeah. So sending that message, then the dysregulation continues, right? Like she doesn't want to do any of those. And she's just mom, mom. And then being like, all right, Breland, we've tried all of these things. What you need to go take some time in your room and just get settled down. Clearly nothing's making you happy tonight. Mm. Go settle down and come back out mm. whenever you feel ready. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> before in your eyes, Bridger. Well, before like jumping to like what should have been done, I would love to hear just, just like what out. your yeah, like yeah. what you feel in that and what your desire was. Yes. Yeah. Because it's so clear to me. Such not even a desire of like, I want this child to learn how to self-regulate themselves. Right. No, but a desire, one, for her to be happy, mm. right? So go go do all the things you love most. Get a craft, color some pictures. Do you need a snack? So throwing out a lot of offers for, I want you to feel okay. Yeah. I want you to be okay. Mm. And then feeling a, uh, when you feel a rejection of each of those, rather than recognizing, oh, this is what maybe what's really going on here. Mm. Then it's a like a defeat of like, fine, all the things I offered aren't working. Mm. And that this space is really almost intolerable for her level of activation in that and my solutions do not work. It feels intolerable to sit in that. Right. Because as mom, then I'm supposed to be the one that can fix it. Yeah. And if I can't, that feels intolerable to stay there. Mm. So that's kind of representing like my own regu- dysregulation coming out from her dysregulation that code dysregulation yeah so now we're both spinning up in that place and then just a final like look head to your room take some time not from like you're in timeout and you're in you're a bad kid no you were giving her your strategy yes exactly yes yes from a a very loving place your room is a nice wonderful spot that you love it's a refuge Yes, go take some time in there, relax, calm down, and when you feel ready, you can come out. She can come out whenever she wants. Good intentions. See, in look there. at that. It's it's choice. There's all kinds of freedom in it. Mm-hmm. But the message of you're too go much. Go take care of your emotions, and then you're welcome back. Right. You're too much. You need to go take care of that, and once you do, you can come back. Yes. And we can re re zoom yes. connection. Even the message of offering all of the things. Um, still in that is saying like go through th- go find something go find outside an activity of us yes, like a to thing to take care of that yeah without any curiosity of what's actually going on mm. you know just an assumption or you must be bored you must be hungry you must be a lot of assumptions of what could be going on how would you say it now in that same situation like what you're what you feel her actually needing and desiring well, I think in the example with my son just the other day, because I'm kind of um, general in, in Breland's case, generally speaking, that's not like an actual specific memory that I have, but I know that's how we parented yeah. early with her of like brand new parents. That's how I was parented. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much the same. Yeah. For myself. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a fairly common, like not, it wasn't. Like Ill a, intent. Right. And I, I hear so much of that. I think it's a very, fairly common approach of like, go to your room and take care of that feeling. And when you're done, you can come back or, mm-hmm. um, but thinking of Graham in his case, he just came home, like I said, two nights ago. And he was like, one, the difference of him coming and saying like, mom, I want to talk to you. So that already tells me like, wow, we set that up very differently. (laughs) Yeah. To even know that for him to know that he can use those words to like connect with what he's actually desiring. Right. Yeah. So then he shares, um, and he had kind of similar, like come home from school, pretty cranky and, but he asked to talk. And then he said that some kids were picking on him on the bus because he can't, can't tie his shoes yet. Mm. (laughs) Poor guy. Um, he's in first grade and so that's a big milestone and, um, he was getting, was being given a hard time about that. And so in that being able to see his like whole evening of being kind of cranky throughout the evening was like, ah, there's a lot going on in there. And so as we're sitting and talking about it, being able to just stand in it, I don't have to have a single solution. I mean, my brain was like, dude, let's practice your shoes right Right now. now. Yeah. Let's go go through the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's fix 
this problem. Yeah, we're gonna tie them off your feet, and then we're gonna tie them on your feet, and yes. then we're gonna tie them off your feet, and then we're gonna tie them on and just and go then back. You could and go forth. back tomorrow That's and right. be like, "Look at this." What's up, dudes? <laughs> like, check out my tied shoes. I did that. Right. So that ran through my head, but also knowing, like, no, like he really feels upset about this. Yeah. He's angry, but he's also sad and he's also afraid like there's so many emotions in there yeah, and just imagining like the interpersonal world of graham in that moment mm-hmm. like what's if we actually slow down like practicing that ruac yeah. like looking at holy cow mm-hmm. this guy in himself six years old is having to go through this realization that others are clearly at a different place than i am yeah and it's actually because of that that i'm being publicly humiliated right now Man, what? Why can't I get it together? And so to match him in his level of distress, which might sound odd because as the fixer, it's like, here's the solution. Or to say like, oh, buddy, it's fine. Like within six months, you're going to have it down. Yeah, this don't is gonna worry be over. about it. Like those kids don't know you anyway. Like it'd be super easy yeah. to go and to that And there's all these other things that you're good at. Yes. You can do all these other things. Yeah. yeah. But instead to be like, oh, that buddy. has to feel awful. Man, no wonder it's been a tough evening. Yeah. I bet that's weighing a lot on and you. I bet right it's now. confusing too, because I bet some of those guys are your friends. Yeah. And then you know you gotta go be on the bus again tomorrow and see them again. Face that again. Yeah. Yeah. So to match them and match him in that, like join with his his level of just concern about it and be in that with him and then just to sit there. Yeah just to sit there and he kept wanting to trail off into all the solutions and which means he's probably borrowed some of those strategies from me too <laughs> but to just be yeah like, ryan's not to blame in any of that either i know it's yeah. all me yeah right 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 <laughs> but to just match him in that so there's the recognizing not just the situation and the problem but what are his deep feelings under it he didn't come to me saying i feel afraid and i feel insecure and i feel right but for me to be able to recognize oh it's so much more than just the shoe issue yeah. Like there's big feelings there to really come to this place of joining him in that and understanding why that could feel so big to him. And then we move, you know, that uh, recognize, understand, attuning with him that, oh man, we took some deep breaths together, not intentionally, but just as we're doing it. And then we just, he just kind of lays his head on my lap and I hold him and I mm. rubbed his back and then he'd wind up like, and, and can you believe that? Get and to so come I back to just, it again. Yeah, get to join him in that. And then we'd kind of, you know, float back down to a more regulated place and we'd get like all activated again and come back down. And after cycling through that multiple times, it just felt like he seemed very settled. We didn't have a solution. He's um, probably going to still yep. feel activated and still again not able to tie shoes. Yes, right. No, no fix it. But we came to that place. That's what co-regulation yeah. looked like. And I love that that just re, you know, we have talked elsewhere um, just about how important memories like that are. You know, even if Graham may not remember that ever. You know, he may not remember back on what it was like for him to learn how to tie his shoes and all the moments of frustration. But the message that gets templated and installed in the memory and in the brain is that mom is safe for me to come to with my feeling and for me to not have any solutions and to just be like, I'm just melting because I don't know how to make sense of this. And she's not going to expect me to know how to fix it on my own. She's going to actually partner with me in my feelings and my feelings are okay to have. Mm -hmm. And I can come back to him again and hit another loop through Mm -hmm. all this frustration that I have and how scary it feels and how upset I really am about it. And that ultimately mom wants to know Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling and she's going to show up. So I'm curious then from like a partner perspective or friendship perspective, do you have any examples that would illustrate what that process looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, and truly because we're mammals, we have these types of experiences all the time. Mm -hmm. Like every, (laughs) every moment of even just being able to, um, go to lunch with you, 
and be able to like talk about something that we're working on together and find a place of um, really connecting over the context of the situation of like, what are all the moving pieces? And here's the, the kind of ideas of um, what might be not working as well and being able to collaborate mm-hmm. in that way to solve the problem. Um, I have uh, experience that is going on in my life right now where um, my parents are coming to uh, my house with my partner, Olivia, and this is their first time at this house. And they um, obviously have a lot of expectations uh, that they're not going to name. I'm pretty (laughs) confident (laughs) in that. Um, But there will be lots of my mom looking at the cut in lines on all of the baseboards and all of the ceilings and uh, also wondering why there aren't enough places to sit um, because there's not. There's a couch and then there's a few chairs and there's a bed and that's we don't sit around a lot at the house. Um, but then, you know, just being able to navigate that with Olivia of, you know, she, she'll come to me and say like, yeah, I was thinking about what, um, we know we need to do to prepare for your parents to be here. All of this kind of just naming this, um, expectation that we each have of the situation that mm-hmm. like my mom is clearly going to have some feelings about this house yeah. Yeah. and just being able to like, look at each other and like, yeah, that's how this is. So are you noticing, and maybe it's both of you, but in that she, Olivia's experiencing more of the dysregulation and anticipating what's to come, or is it I think actually the whole thing is that we're moving through it in a very co-regulated place because we're naming the fact that both of us are aware of what's going to happen. And Olivia came to me just this past, uh, maybe two days ago and was like, um, are you worried about what your mom is going to think of our home? Like even that, mm-hmm. like if you just unpack the belief, like the, yeah. the thought process uh, underneath that, um, she's using RUAC all the way through. Yeah. Um, just, it, just naturally of, I think, you know, Bridger obviously has a lot of his mom's fingerprints like all over his mind and knows what mm-hmm. um, the expectations are going to be moving forward. And that even though she may not name them, she will have thoughts and feelings about this. And so to be able to really um, invite conversation should it need to be had Mm -hmm. in such a way of just asking me if I'm worried about what my mom is going to think instead of taking on that burden and going through this like cleaning spree of just like, okay, let me just like, let's just put baseboards on like, or like, let's just like repaint something or, you know, whatever. Um, Just being able to speak it into the space and to then let that dissipate um, the feelings of built up kind of anxiety mm-hmm. or, or worry. What I love about this example is, you know, with the, the kids example, we're kind of working reactively. Like yeah. it's the activation has occurred and it could get bigger, right? We could see what it's like to co-dysregulate, but the activation's already there. And we're looking at how does co-regulation then, you know, how do we connect in a way to bring regulation into the space? Yeah. This we're working proactively. Mm. And so it's like, oh, we have this event coming up that we're both anticipating could Mm -hmm. have a lot to it. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to work through it together and we're going to take these little mini loops of maybe we have very low level activation of like, "Hmm, do we need to get another chair or not? Yeah. But let's, let's connect in that. Yeah. Let's both recognize our own experience and, and what the other one could be experiencing. Right. And start to understand, attune, and co-regulate all the way through yeah. the experience. And here's an example of how it didn't go okay. that way. <laughs> so um, this happened just last night. <laughs> um, I the typical like day that I have is I um, you know get up early in the morning, usually come into to work here at the office and um, start to work, and I don't go home until kind of later in the evening. And so Olivia and I kind of coordinate on who's picking up stuff at the grocery store to make dinner that night. And, um, we had talked again at like five o'clock in the morning, like rolling out of bed about mm-hmm. what's the plan for the evening. Cause we haven't made that plan yet. And, um, we just say like, we'll just like text about it or figure it out. And because of my schedule, I had not had time really to look at my phone at all. And I was at the university teaching and the class was going in a direction that I was very frustrated mm-hmm. because there was so much I wanted to say and share And I didn't have the time. And it also reminded me that our uh, education system is very interesting and doesn't prepare students to learn effectively or produce. I'm actually getting activated right now. I was going to say, interesting is a gentle word for you to use. Yeah. Um, But, you know, my, my undergrad students who are 
you know, in their research methods class are not prepared to write a paper mm. throughout their entire educational experience. Um, and so I'm like trying to battle that frustration while also trying to show up for each of them individually in their dysregulation because over the year long course that we have together, it's two semesters, they have to produce a research paper and I'm with them the whole way. Mm -hmm. But still there's these feelings of just like, why haven't we been taught this before? And like, this is ridiculous. And these expectations are unruly and like, you know, all these things. And so I'm coming out of that class. I get a notification on my phone that a professor, um, wants to have a phone call with me in preparation for a class that we're teaching together next week. And I'm like, okay, I can maybe call like here in the next 30 minutes or so on my way home. But then I remember, Oh, I need to call Olivia and see if I need to pick anything else up on the, on the, like the way home from the grocery store. And so not really even having any awareness of how spun up I really am, <laughs> like how much my mind is just like running a million miles the R an hour for yourself. Any of it wasn't even <laughs> thinking. Um, but my mind is going like a million miles an hour. And so <laughs> I hear Olivia answer the phone. I'm calling her walking out to my car from the university and she's just like, hi Bridger, like very sweet. And I'm just like, Hey, um, <laughs> Hey, I'm just calling you. How, how are your, how are you? Like, I'm like literally like jumbled and like my mind is just again going so fast and I can hear her move from that place to in the next sentence, like, oh, uh, I'm good. I just went to the grocery store and got all this stuff, and so I'm good. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then I start talking through, because in my mind, I moved past, now I need to go to the grocery store. I just went into filling, in her, filling her in about my frustration. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, blasting her <laughs> with my, like, dysregulation. Yeah. And she just gets more dysregulated throughout the conversation. And I catch myself finally and I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, I just did the thing that we agreed we wouldn't do to each other, which Uh is just like, do that, blast Uh each other. And um, I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, my mind's just going so fast. I'm just kind of jumbled. And she's like, yeah, I can feel it. And now I'm kind of jumbled. And I was like, oh, no, like, that's Mm. not it at all of what I wanted. And this story ends kind of hard. So prepare yourself Jen. but okay. we're like processing through of just like yeah i'm just sorry like my mind like i'm good i'm, I'm here now like I, I i'm ready to uh like connect and then my professor calls me oh no and it's literally like the only time i have in the evening to connect so i'm just like olivia i'm so sorry <laughs> like mm-hmm. i need to take this call can i call you right back after and she's like oh yeah no don't worry and so i took the call it took the entire way home I'm going to get there. Olivia's mom is at the house. So we don't get a chance to like connect at all. And then when she leaves, we have to go right into making dinner because it's like nine o'clock now. (laughs) And we finally, like at the end of the night, got to just be like, hey, earlier, Mm -hmm. um, that was not my intention at all. And I feel terrible because I took you out of a place of regulation into just this like jumbled mess that I was in. And she's just like, it happens. (laughs) Um, but then she was able to kind of just share more of her feelings about how it was to be kind of jolted in that way. And then also that we need to spend some more time together because we've been working really hard sort of in separate directions Mm -hmm. um, for the past few days. So we need some time. And that being that little mini moment of let's run through all of the RUAC right here at the end of the night. Yeah. Like we're clearly dysregulated throughout, but there's not a chance to do it any other way. Right. Right. It was just like, there was literally not opportunity. Life happened and we just had to like, okay, let's just like trust each other to like get through this. And we may not feel good right now, but we do know we can come back to this place and we know exactly how to do it. Yeah. And we can, you know, kind of loop through that process then and Mm -hmm. come back into a place where we're in sync and we understand what we both need moving forward. Yes. Yeah. So this can, I mean, I just love the diversity of all of these examples Mm. of saying like, this can look so many different ways. When we talk about it in here, it's fairly formal or structured, but it can be, you know, it's its own form. It's going to look so unique based on the relationship, the person, the situation, all of those factors. But just knowing like to be able to walk through those steps and get to that place of co-regulating, which can be some of the smallest gestures. It can be mm. eye contact. Mm-hmm. It can be a, like the noise you just made. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a deep breath. It could be a hug. 
a back rub. You know, it can be a hand hug, a hand hug. Yes. yes I love those. It can just be kind of like a, a sigh. It can be this, the littlest things. It doesn't have to be giant gestures of, mm. okay, now let's breathe together. <sighs> right. Like it's just this very simple, yeah. tiny things can really be what offers our nervous system to like, okay, could I unwind just a little bit? Yeah. And I, uh, so much of me just like f- find so much importance in making it really like practical and realistic because sometimes in these types of conversations, there's like these grandiose um, like strategies that are presented of like, yeah, you need to carve out like an hour of your day mm. and be able to just have this type of connection. Like that would be awesome if that could happen. But what happens if it can't? Yeah. What are you supposed to do then? Like it's about finding, like honoring your own needs enough to be curious with your partner or the people in your life or, or even just yourself of what, what do I need? What are some practical ways that I can just find a breath of RUAC in my life? Yeah. Like just a moment. Like you said, it could just be a glance mm-hmm. across a table. Yeah. And a different, in a difficult meeting where I'm super activated, I look at a couple of people, you being one of like eye contact. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> right. And because we've spoken to the importance that, of that, yes. that that right there is the main point of like, if you can find the thing that just perhaps even just um, organically gives you that felt sense, yeah. name that thing. Yep. Like name it with whoever is in the space or even just name it for yourself to be able to say, man, I have not ever like talked about this before, but it feels really good just to be able to like look you in the eye for mm-hmm. just a second. And then I can just know that we're on the same page yes. and that we're committed to each other, that we're going to figure this out together, that there's safety and connection here. Yeah. That right there, I mean, can go so, so far. Yes. And, and to communicate that, especially in a partnership, friendships, you know, child, parent, any, any type of partnership, really to have that communicated is so supportive of this is what helps me to feel connected to you and regulated. And yeah. this is how I may ask you for that. I might just come stand by you or I might just be like, hi. Yeah. Last night, excellent example. Um, we were making dinner and sometimes when we're really tired, we'll just like everything's in the oven. Like it's cooking. We'll just like sit on the floor <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. And we'll just like sit and she just like lays on her back and, and sometimes this is her way and we we named it last night which we usually don't she puts her foot like on my leg mm-hmm. like not like resting on it like touching it and she's just like that's good mm-hmm. like it's just the the like simplest the like gesture. just touch yeah and that just like is connection yeah and that communicates to you she is yeah softness asking, oh. you know you to join her in that and mm. she's reaching out for you and that without having mm. to say i need to feel connected yeah a little tiny gesture oh Start crying. No, I know. Let <laughs> me tell her about this. <laughs> Please do. Mm. It is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of covers. Yeah. I mean, this will be a concept now that we've named it that is going to continue to come back up. Right. It's going to come into really most things that we talk about are mm-hmm. UAC. I think you'll hear yeah, those. It's in everything again and again. Everything that we do. Um, and so just by way of summary, as this is kind of the last episode on, uh, RUAC, um, really just taking time to pay attention to how you're feeling in any given moment, you know, that recognized piece, don't jump into the cognitive explanation. Don't mm-hmm. worry about making sense of it yet. Just learn to notice, Yeah. notice how you're feeling, like literally zoom into, to areas over your body and just like, man, I'm holding tension in my knee. What the heck is that about? Mm -hmm. Or yeah, my back hurts (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, my breath is really shallow and I can't seem Mm -hmm. to find like a breath today or my head hurts or my eyes are irritated, whatever it is. Like just learn to uh, get into that practice of recognizing where your body is literally at, like physically, and then move from there into that understanding. Mm -hmm. What is this about? Why do I have this pain? Why do I have this thought? Why do I have this breath pattern right now? Um, you know, is there something that I'm anxious about or sad about? Or what am I feeling about the situation? Moving into that place of understanding. So that rhythm of recognizing and understanding. And from there, that can then move into the second half of the attunement and the co-regulation. 
Because when we can recognize and name what's going on in our body, in our mind, in our spirit, we can then move to a place of understanding of why that might be the case and letting our internal and external environment honor and, and respect that. And so being able to communicate with yourself of what needs, what needs you have in order to feel attuned uh, in alignment with yourself that you can name and recognize and understand those uh, feelings that you have. And then to be able to take that into your interpersonal world mm-hmm. and actually co-regulate. Yeah. You know, I just thinking for those of you listening, wondering like, who do I start this with? How do I begin to explore this type of relationship? Therapy can be a really good place to start. Yes. A really beautiful place to have the space and the focus um, away from the busyness of just a regular daily schedule of an hour set aside to say, maybe I could start considering what's it like to recognize, understand, attune, and be co-regulated with. Hmm. So let that be just kind of a, a consideration if you are already in therapy or not yet and considering it. That might be a really good place to start to feel what does that feel like. And then I could start to integrate it into my relationships outside of there. Okay, kind of on a final um, note, just as we wrap up, wanting to remind you guys of our Patreon. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about it several times, but it's just another place to get further connected. Um, we have more content like what comes out here on the podcast, but this is a kind of a membership structure where you can choose a membership tier as low as $5 a month on up from there. And each tier, actually, I think as low as $3 a month. Yeah. Um, Each tier has different resources available to you, different ways to get connected to the Beyond Healing community. Um, And so we're just continuing to, over these next several months, really build that up. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot more coming. In fact, what starts now is just the very uh, tip of the iceberg of what we have to come and our ideas for how to build that community. So if you like what you experience here with the podcast and you want more of that and more connection and community in that way go ahead and check out our patreon um bridger i will let you tell them what that is yes it's patreon.com slash beyond trauma podcast i don't know why i can like never remember that okay it's pretty simple yeah but it's information that is very particular and sometimes our brains have a hard time with that absolutely yes so We hope to see you on there and just to get an opportunity to connect with you guys more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.